Hey guys, with everything happening with Israel and Palestine right now, I have had a lot of reflections on what my Jewish identity means to me as an adoptee. Taylor and I thought it would be great to have a conversation where we delve into that a little bit more in the context of what it means to carry an aspect of your parents' identity as an adoptee. There are a lot of nuances in the greater conversation of the actual politics and circumstances and events happening right now. The key takeaway here is really how it's impacted me personally. Um, and I hope it gives you guys another perspective to think about. I had a conversation with my few years ago with my friend who is Jewish, ethnically Jewish. Mm -hmm. She knows that I was raised Jewish. I am cult, I identify culturally as Jewish. When you're Jewish, it can be Jewish is an ethnicity. It's a race. It's a culture and it's a religion. It is simultaneously all of these things. You can pick any one identity, any multiples of these identities. I identify culturally as Jewish. I'm not religious, but I've grown up understanding and knowing the religion mm -hmm. and I am not racially ethnically jewish mm. um but i hadn't ever thought about uh, the separation of those as it applies to me as being that important like i've always identified as culturally jewish and that was very clear to me but uh, um i had this conversation with my friend who like i said is ethnically jewish um, about being able to say the N-word in songs. And uh, mm. the argument was, uh, she thought everyone should be allowed to say it. And I said, well, should I be allowed to say a Jewish slur that starts with the letter K? Mm. Um, anytime I want, or like, should a German person be able to say that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, anytime that they want, if it was in a song. And I said the word at the time. And uh, um, we got into a heated debate about it. We eventually came back and we were talking about it. And she said she really didn't like that I said that word. And at the time, I was very confused because I said to her, you know, I'm Jewish. Like, I'm, I, am I not allowed to say that word? And she said that it just did not sit well with her. I brought this up recently to another person when talking about how the Israel-Palestine conflict is... Uh, affecting the way that I look at my Jewish identity because mm -hmm. uh, it's something that I've not questioned much before. Like I am Jewish and that's something that I've always been happy and proud to identify as and culturally, like it's simple enough for me to separate that mm -hmm. or it's been simple enough for me to separate that. The Jewish people in my mind are my people. It's a community that I am a part of. It is easy enough. Uh, um, and then I asked this other person in this context of, do you think I'm allowed to say this slur? And he said, yeah, I don't see why you shouldn't. You are Jewish. You are. It is your culture. It is part of the community. You are part of the community. You understand all of the things. Um, it doesn't bother me as much of a word. It's not something that's affected me in my life. Uh, mm -hmm. So you should be allowed to say it. Mm -hmm. And so I think every individual is going to have a different thing to say about it. But when I've thought about it more, I don't know that I do think I should be allowed to say it or that I feel comfortable saying it anymore because that word, I think, has been used in the ethnic sense in mm. terms of 
ethnic cleansing. If there was an ethnic cleansing of the Jews, I would not be mm-hmm. impacted by that mm-hmm. at all. And that's so that the Israel-Palestine conflict has made me feel a lot of mixed feelings about, especially in conversation or like seeing the perspectives of my Jewish peers, who many are pro-Israel or Zionist, not strictly, not all and not, you know, uncategorically like there's some people that are picking and choosing parts and ideas of it it's they're not necessarily fully in support of the israeli government but many do believe in the need for a jewish state i'm very on the fence about that i don't know where i stand on that to be quite honest part of me wonders if i was ethnically jewish would i have a much clearer stance on that because in my mind yeah, if there was an ethnic Jewish cleansing, I really would not be affected by that. Those would still be my people. Those would still be that. I don't think that that's okay to do. Um, but I think about there isn't a state for a lot of other mm-hmm. people and races that have been also persecuted throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you start there, 100% like should everyone have a place like that? Um I think it's a that's a big question, not necessarily an answerable question, Mm -hmm. but I think it raises a lot of issues of my own identity culturally versus ethnically, because I identify strongly with being Chinese and being American. Chinese is my ethnicity. I've learned a lot about the culture growing up, and that's something that I also feel comfortable saying I'm culturally a part of. American. I am. That is my nationality. That is also the culture that I've grown up in. Very comfortable to identify as that. Jewish. I still feel comfortable identifying culturally, but um, hmm. ethnically, you know, like what am I getting from my adoptive parents? I am not getting their ethnicity, but I am getting their culture. Mm-hmm. That, that's so fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I, yeah, I have so many r- thoughts and responses to that. I think one of the first things is I'm curious, um, cause there's a lot of like noise happening right now online. Um, just like what social media does to people, um, mm-hmm. about like what opinions people can and can't have and should and shouldn't have about everything that's going on. People that are Jewish and not Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, have you encountered, because I know you have a nuanced perspective on it, mm-hmm. have you sort of encountered the feelings that, like, because you're not ethnically Jewish, you don't know that you have, like, a right to have a nuanced perspective? Or, like, if you were ethnically Jewish, you wouldn't have as nuanced a perspective on it. Like, you have the privilege of having a nuanced perspective because you're not ethnically Jewish. I think at first when everything really started to blow up in the media and when Hamas initially attacked, I had a lot of mixed feelings and not sure what I could and couldn't say and the perspective I could and couldn't take and what was in support of um, my, a lot of, yeah, the people in the Jewish community and I don't want to, it's it's hard to take a stance, uh, I think, when there's so much uh, context and nuance Uh, so i think i was 
intimidated at first to take a stance. I think now as time has gone on and I've thought a lot more about the issue, I've educated myself a lot more on the issues. I feel more comfortable taking a stance. It's not, uh, um, or having an opinion, having a nuanced opinion, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, the thing about it is actually, more to do with being an American and not Israeli Mm. rather than Jewish or not Jewish. I think we as Americans are sitting from a place of real privilege as a world superpower that has gained that status through arms races and nuclear weapons and doing a lot of things that has through history and been established like that's what's normal. That's how people gain power. That's how people are. That's how nations are not, you know, in threat of constant danger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as an American that there's a place of privilege there and having a nuanced opinion or not even a nuanced opinion, having, I think some of the people who are American, who are having a very oversimplified opinion, there's privilege. I think that's actually where that stands. I think in terms of having a nuanced opinion, I do think not being ethnically Jewish, being Chinese has given me more perspective Mm. than I would have had being ethnically Jewish. Not necessarily true, but I think uh, that I've been very conscientious uh, mm-hmm. about uh, what parts uh, are important to me with Judaism and with Israel and what I think uh, aligns with my values because there's still a lot of privilege for a lot of Jewish people in the US. Anti-Semitism mm-hmm. is still very much real, but white privilege is also still very real. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there are a lot of privileges that I don't have as a person of color and being among my other BIPOC uh, mm. activist peers uh, that have used a lot of rhetoric that has been used to liberate uh, people of color in the US or in other countries, seeing that being used in a pro-Palestine, anti-Israel stance has caused a lot of conflicting emotions for me, Mm -hmm. many of which I don't agree with, but I can understand where they come from. yeah, so I do think that yeah, yeah, it's it's made my stance more nuanced. Uh, um, so you went on birthright last year, yes, like this time last year, yes. Um, and I remember asking you at the time if there were other Asian people in your birthright group, mm-hmm. but as, and there were, mm-hmm. but as far as I know, you were the only adoptee mm-hmm. in your birthright group, mm-hmm. and the rest of the group was largely like white and male. A lot of white males. Uh, there were a lot of white males. There yeah. were also a lot of white females. <laughs> okay. Um, but yes, I was the only... That's not true. I was not... The, there was one other person who had converted to Judaism who was white. Interesting. Okay. But so there were two of us who were not 
ethnically right jewish okay interesting but for different reasons well i'm thinking about what you said about um you know as a person of color as a chinese person of color Mm -hmm. like you have experienced a level of like disenfranchisement um and discrimination just like for the color of your skin for the shape of your face just who you are Mm -hmm. that like your white male jewish peers have not Mm -hmm. um i'm thinking of a few on the birthright group you know Mm -hmm. Was that some, what was it like confronting that? Sort of like going around Israel, learning about the Jewish people, learning about like the history of racism and, Mm -hmm. you know, disenfranchisement. What does that feel like? I mean, so also for context, Birthright is a free trip to Israel for anyone who is Jewish. It is loose restrictions in terms of the qualifications you have to meet. It is partially funded by um, donors and partially funded by the Israeli government. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is for people all around the world. Um, and it is was honestly a great experience. I think there's been a lot of controversy about that, but there was a lot of education on Israel-Palestine relations, a lot of just like relationships with other countries that border israel um there were learning about religious aspects and religious minorities i think a lot of the exposure that i got in israel there were new perspectives that i hadn't had before but there were a lot that i had had before i think growing up going to sunday school and hebrew school a lot of the old testament is about people trying to eradicate the Jews or, you know, get rid of the Jews (laughs) Um, and the Jewish people being overcome or overcoming that um, and being resilient and continuing on. And so um, that's been ingrained in me as part of the culture. It's a history lesson. I think to me, a lot of uh, the, the old Testament more than, anything else it did not make me feel particularly religious or religiously Mm. connected um i think being among people in israel like israel is in the middle east it is very different uh, to be among uh, american jews and uh, israelis they're predom israelis predominantly who are jewish like it, they identify more in an ethnic sense, but many of them are secular, like mm. a lo- almost a large majority. Um, we had Israelis with us on the trip um, and we all went around Americans and uh, Israelis being asked about how we identify, like, do we identify as Jewish? Mm-hmm. And there were some Americans who said no. Um, a lot of us said yes. Um, but the Israelis said first and foremost, they identify as Israeli and not Jewish. Hmm. And uh, I thought that was interesting. It's because uh, being Jewish in Israel, like it's basically your Orthodox, which is very, um, it's on the ex- more extreme end. It's more fundamentalist. Hmm. Um, and if you're not Orthodox, then you're secular. Those are more of, the the options that are in israel in the u.s there's orthodox there's modern orthodox there's conservative there's reform there's a lot of in between and gray area of how you can identify religiously so there are people who identify reform is like the most uh lenient and someone can identify religiously as jewish but 
still not have to keep kosher, still not have to do a lot of the things um, that would constitute being religious in Israel. So mm-hmm. um, it's interesting. I definitely am a minority when I was in Israel, mm-hmm. but I don't feel... It it didn't make me feel any more out of place than being somewhere in middle America or somewhere in Western Europe. Mm. Um, I definitely have felt that a lot more. So honestly, in like Western European countries. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I think being in Israel was interesting more for seeing firsthand a lot of the dynamics uh, in terms of uh, intercountry relations, uh, um, relationships with other religious minorities and parties within Israel. Um, but in terms of just feeling ethnically displaced, that, that wasn't even that much mm-hmm. of a thought to me. Mm-hmm. But I've also grown up knowing a lot of Chinese Jews. There were a few on the trip. Some of them were very surprised to see me. And a lot of my close friends are Asian and Jewish. Like Mm -hmm. at least two of my closest friends. Um, so your dad, your dad is Jewish. Yes. My dad is Jewish. Uh, He is, according to his 23andMe, 99.9% Ashkenazi Jew. (laughs) Justin and his dad. Love it. Yeah. What was, what, what was, how present was it in your life growing up? Because I know you were saying that you were like, you grew up culturally Jewish. What did that look like? What does that mean? Yeah. Um, so my dad is Jewish. It looks like uh, my dad is from Brooklyn. He has a still a little bit of an accent. He likes to throw Yiddish into a lot of his uh, um, everyday conversation. And so that's been um, a staple in our household is throwing in a lot of Yiddish words. Um, but uh, I went to Sunday school and Hebrew school growing up. So I went every Sunday up from like third grade through like fifth grade um, to Sunday school. So learning about the Old Testament and religious stories. Um, and then every Wednesdays from like fifth to like sixth or seventh grade um, was learning Hebrew and also still continuing to learn about the Torah. Um, and uh, around the time that everyone was having bat mitzvahs, my parents asked me if I want to have a bat mitzvah. I felt like that was too much work. I saw all my friends doing it. I was like, no, thanks. I just want a party. Didn't have a party that year, I don't think, or at least not a big one. Not because you didn't feel Jewish enough. Not because I didn't feel Jewish enough. I was just like, ugh, like all my friends are like studying their Haftorah portions. And that just seems, that just seems like work. Like the thing that I want is really just a a party and presents. Yeah. Some money. Like let's do that instead. Um, so I ended up not doing that. Um, but, I still identify as Jewish. There's probably some people in the Jewish community that would not say I'm Jewish because I did not have a bat mitzvah um, or because it's my dad that is Jewish rather than my mom. 
um, and in the Jewish religion, it's your mother that passes down whether you're Jewish or not. Um, but I also went to Jewish summer camps. This is a big part of Jewish American culture, I think, is going to these Jewish sleepaway camps. So that was a big part of my formative years. And it's there's a lot of Jewish culture there. You're saying homotsi, you're praying before all your meals. Uh, um, you're singing a lot of songs that are Jewish and religious and some are have have Hebrew. So um, that was definitely an experience. I interned as a high schooler at uh, um, the Contemporary Jewish Museum in San Francisco. Uh, you don't have to be Jewish to do that. Uh, was de- There were definitely a lot of people that were not, but that was also interesting in terms of having some historical arts and cultural aspects interwoven of my education with Judaism. And then I went to, for college for a couple of years, um, Brandeis University, which is technically a secular school, but uh, is named after Louis Brandeis, the first Jewish Supreme Court justice. And 50%, I think, of the student population, at least when I went, was Jewish. So um, those are all of the like uh, institutional um, relationships that I've had with Judaism. But I think a large part of where I culturally identify is like my dad's Jewish family, my dad speaking Yiddish at home, my, you know, the things that I could relate to in the media as cultural touch points, uh, um, having, yeah, lots of Jewish friends and, uh, um, you know, celebrating the holidays and mm-hmm. making latkes. And like, these are the things that are traditions in my home and with my family that, make me feel like I am a part of this community and this culture as much as anyone else who would have had that ethnically. Mm-hmm. That also begs a bigger question, which we can't answer on this podcast, but mm-hmm. like what does make a person anything? Yeah. You know, like what and what makes a person blank enough mm-hmm. to be like entitled to certain spaces? Yeah. Um, I think like biracial people feel that a lot. Mm-hmm. Transracial adoptees feel that a lot. Other immigrants. Other immigrants. Um, yeah. Religious converters feel mm-hmm. that a lot. But I mean, like, there's a lot of people. And this is why, like, I think uh, in the Jewish, the Jewish, being Jewish, it is a religion. It is a culture and it is an ethnicity. It is yeah. all of these things. And there is a spectrum of the religion of being reformed to conservative to orthodox. Uh, um I think there's a lot of Judaism where there's not there's not such thing as like what's enough uh, like for going on birthright for getting a free trip to Israel where they are not super strict about checking your mm-hmm. ethnic or cultural roots uh, um they say you as long as one parent is Jewish, you can go on birthright. They hmm. also are not saying it has to be your mother. Like hmm. I was able to go on birthright. So there's a lot, there's a lot about being Jewish culturally, religiously that is very welcoming and open. I think the question of what's enough and what's not enough and what makes a person and what makes an identity um, can have to do as much as we identify with it 
as much as if we're trying to be part of a community, what does the community let in? Like, are you Asian enough? Are you white and American enough? Like, yeah, what, what makes it enough and who's to decide? Is it us as individuals? Is it a community of people that mm-hmm. we want to be a part of? Probably some level of both. Mm-hmm. We're, I mean, it made complicated by the fact that like we did have to like wake up every single day and live in a certain culture and yes. just like mm-hmm. live it and experience it. Mm-hmm. And then to be like, denied access to certain things that we didn't grow up in and didn't mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. i think a lot of the th- that mm-hmm. was even on birthright a lot of people who were ethnically jewish weren't necessarily raised culturally or religiously jewish and they did not feel jewish enough to be going on birthright they mm. felt they weren't even entitled to be taking a trip to Israel. <laughs> they weren't allowed to be on the trip because they were like I don't feel like I'm Jewish enough. I feel like I'm taking someone else's spot. Um, That's so interesting. Yeah, that was shocking to me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys for listening. That conversation was part of a larger one that Lee and I had about our adoptive families, adopting our parents' cultures, and growing up generally in childhoods that were different than our ethnic heritages. Uh, in a later episode, we're going to be having a second part of that conversation, which is largely about our childhoods as a whole including a conversation with Leah's mother, the inimitable Kathleen Kelly. Thank you, everybody.